Hello, ladies and gentlemen, graphic novel gurus, and fanboys and girls from around the globe. This is yet another episode of the Vigilant Geek Podcast. My name is Andrew Puzak uh, of Vigilant Geek Media, and with me, as always, is... Holden Orm of Vigilant Geek Media. Andrew, we have special guests today. We uh, are lucky enough to have a couple special guests with us for a very special episode today uh, in which we are going to discuss uh, all things involving the silver screen. Uh, now, with us again is uh, New England stand-up comic and owner-operator of Hotcast Studios, Nathan Burke. That's me. I'm just hanging around. He, he hangs around. That's, you yeah. know, that's his thing. And, uh, we also have special guest, New England stand-up comic, uh, and, uh, movie aficionado, Mark Gallagher. That's me. Hello, Mark. I'm, I'm dangling. I'm not hanging. I'm dangling. <laughs> well, uh. Dangling loosely. <laughs> the angle of your dangle is, uh, proportionate to however that goes. <laughs> something, something horror, something, something shit. Horseshit. Proportion, yeah. Proportionate horse shit. Horse shit. <laughs> we'll go with horse that. Horse shit. Horse shit. So, um, we're gonna discuss, uh, all different types of films today. Uh, obviously, uh, since it's the Vigilant Geek, uh, we will discuss comic book movies, but, uh, we won't just, uh, limit ourselves to that. Uh, we got many films within the sci-fi, horror, comedy, animated genres, uh, crime dramas, uh, uh, all those genres that we, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna cover all that today for you. Uh, and I think it might be appropriate for us to start with some of our favorite comic book films since they have, uh, become so popular, uh, over the past five years or so. Five to ten. Yep, that's right. It's been, um, the genre's really picked up steam over the past ten years with the technology and whatnot. So. Yeah, um, Holden makes a good point. Uh, we mentioned back in our uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast in Episode 3 uh, about how, uh, you know, these uh, these comic book films have, have finally been able to uh, uh, provide justice to the source material due to uh, advancements in CGI and what have you. Um, so now we get these, these great movies with... Uh, the special effects that you wouldn't have seen uh, 20, 30 years ago, um, which brings us, you know, I more... think Iron Man started it. Uh, well, yeah. Iron well, Man's have... to blame. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man was, was definitely the pioneer uh, franchise for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for I sure. I think Iron Man started where we are right now. I feel like there are different tiers, like... If you want to go way back when, the the first movie that really kind of went, hey, you can do this, was Superman, the first Richard Donner Superman. Right. And they hit Superman had been on TV before that and in serials even before that. But I think that was like one of the first movie movies. Oh, nope. This doesn't count. But uh, Batman the, with uh, Adam West. Because they, they had a theatrical, uh, it came out before the TV show. Oh, that's when all the villains vaporized the UN. Yes. Yeah, it's called then... Batman the Movie. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's a classic. But that was like really hammy, tongue-in-cheek. It was the first Superman, Richard Donner, that took the comic seriously, and that was like the beginning of it. Well, and I, then... You could also make a point for Tim Burton's uh, 
Batman. Yeah, that was the next level. I, I would say Superman was the first one in there. I mean, be hard up to think of anything in between that and Batman, but I'm sure there's something. And but they, yeah, it was that it was that Batman that really it was like just on the cusp of 1990. Well, yeah, as far as taking the comics genre seriously for yeah. film, but I I don't feel that it really got its chops until X Men. Yep, that's because the next tier right there. Because yeah. Superman and Batman are really good at punching things. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and to depict people being punched good, yeah. like they <laughs> they mastered that, but they they yeah. hadn't got to the point where like well, Cyclops shoots beams out of his eyes. Yes, yeah. right. <laughs> some some of those things you can't do with. Uh, you know, the, the, the more basic, uh, special effects techniques that they used back then. So that's obviously, uh, with the CGI came those, uh. Changed everything. Exactly, yeah. yeah those first yeah. two X-Men were great. Yeah. I don't the, know. Like, the, um, I, I really feel like that X-Men film that came out was really the one that really kind of got the ball rolling for everybody. Yeah. It, it was around the same time as Blade, but Blade was more kind of fringe. Like it was, it was R-rated. It was, it didn't kind of hit the demographic that they sell to. Yeah, generally. it uh, it took the general idea, and then it was just like, all right, now <laughs> find out how to put swears and sex in it. Yeah, and then they're yeah. like, okay, well here's your swears and sex. Like, there you go. All right. All right, we're gonna work with this. It's got a great moment though with um, who's the dude the beard? The uh, plays Donald, Whistler. Donald Logue? Is no, that no, what you're no. talking about? Oh. Yeah, oh, that is a bearded guy, but the the guy plays Whistler. Oh, Chris Christopherson. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I love the scene when you you think, all right, Blade's done. I guess he dies, even though it's halfway through. Guess you <laughs> guess it's just a short movie, and it's a sad <laughs> ending. But then the wall blows open. And and uh you forgot, oh yeah, Whistler, what was he doing this whole time? Cocks a shotgun and he goes, Catch you fuckers at a bad time. <laughs> I like that moment. That was a good moment. That's a great yeah. catchphrase. Oh yeah, yeah, it was good. I, I can't believe there's the a time. guy named Chris Christofferson. I know. That sounds so fake. I know. <laughs> His daughter's uh, an actress too. Uh the only film I can think of that she was in was the faculty. Uh, oh, who's she in that? Uh, she's kind of like the gothic girl, the kind of like the outcast girl. I've seen group. her in a few things. I, I didn't Christina know that was... Christina Christopherson. Yeah. <laughs> wow, a little originality Christette. right there. Christette. <laughs> Man, if you get into a normal conversation about these people with anybody else, they're like, dude, quit lying to me. Yeah. What, you think I'm an idiot? <laughs> oh, yeah, Chris Christopherson comes in with his daughter, Christina Christopherson. <laughs> get out of my face. Quit salting my intelligence. Uh, it sounds like characters from a Dr. Seuss book or something. I don't know. I, I've se- I, I can't cite exactly what I've seen her in stuff though. A couple of things, but yeah, it, it, it hasn't. It, it it won't register in my head either. But that that's one thing is the faculty. I remember that mm-hmm. being a, a pretty. I mean, for what it was, it was definitely one of those like angsty t- high school teen yeah. horror movies. Was John but... Stewart in that? He was. Yeah, science teacher. I remember that being because I remember. Um, it was early Daily Show, and yeah, and he was like just talking started. about it. Yeah, yeah. What was that like? Nineteen, like two thousand? Uh, yeah, it was around then, two thousand one. Yeah, like, right, right, right around that time. Yeah. And, and it was uh, like it was like one of two movies John Stewart ever did. It was I, like that in, in Big uh, Daddy. Oh, Big Daddy and yeah. um, and, um he was oh, in Half Baked. He did the Smoochie. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. He, he had a more serious Smoochie. role in that. Oh, and he was in Jane yeah. Silent Bob Strike Back. He. Mm. In these early days on The Daily Show, he seemed to, like, 
take advantage of the fame he got from that show to get all over the place because it who knew where that show was going to go so he was like oh i'm going to just try to span my career and and then the daily show picked up and he was like oh i just need this no yeah. and then and then 911 happened and he yeah. became like <laughs> and like his live like 911 was yeah. the best thing that ever happened to john stewart <laughs> like we we saw we saw debris and he saw dollar signs <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we, <laughs> we live in uh, a capitalist society, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think he would be very upset if he heard us say <laughs> But the, the Faculty was a movie that came out. There was like a, a theme of movies. These were like sci-fi offshoots of, of um, Scream. You know, like there was the Faculty oh, and, yeah. and there was um, Disturbing Behavior was another very right. Faculty-esque movie. What about yeah, well, um, like, Jeepers uh, Creepers? <laughs> Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeepers Creepers directed by a child molester. Hmm. Yeah. Guy, same guy who directed Powder. Oh, okay. Yeah, he made a movie back in the day. He molested a little kid. He went to jail for it. Uh, oh, yeah. recent news, right? Uh, and then... No, it's... it's, it's oh, okay. No, it's an old hat. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're what? I think they just talked about that recently on like another podcast. And the only child reason, molestation? No, that guy who did Powder... <laughs> And the oh, only yeah, reason yeah. I'd know that somebody, I guess that like popped up on my newsfeed. I don't know. You've been, yeah, you've that's, been that's why I'm things. thinking it was. Oh, maybe it's news. resurfaced, but I mean, it is, it is kind of an older story. Like when Powder came out, the family of the, uh, molested kid protested the movie and hmm. people just didn't pay attention. Wait, what? Cause Cause what, what was, was so the, guy, the guy who like played Powder was the one who was molested actually? By no, the no. Guy, the, no. The, um, writer director, whose name I forget. Also the writer-director of Jeepers Creepers. He um, made a movie way back when, like in the late 80s. And on the set of that, he he diddled a youngster. And <laughs> and he served his time and everything. Um, and he just kind of got back in the industry. Nowadays, couldn't happen. Like there would be a big Facebook outrage and the guy wouldn't oh, have yeah. a career. You yeah. know? What, the funniest, the funniest thing to me about you saying "diddle the youngster" because the, <laughs> the, uh, back in like the eighties, early nineties, in pro wrestling, that's what they used to call jobbers, like the people who who lost all the time. Would they the, call like, them youngsters? Oh, okay. So yeah. the, uh, the girl would be like, "Look at this youngster." <laughs> uh, it always comes back to wrestling for you, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all I wanted to say about it. That's a good way to live, though. You got, you got priorities and hobbies. That's the, that's, those are my roots. The ladies love a man with hobbies. <laughs> the ladies love a man that likes to watch other men wrestle with other men so in their underwear. Can, so that she can watch other men, too. <laughs> Together. Yeah, it's really just for her. Right, right. You know? I'm, yeah. just a, I'm just a, uh, a good lover, I guess. <laughs> Huh? Well, I, we're not getting super specific. I think we were just talking about how you like wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> we need to change the subject. Well, well, um, I suppose I can get us back on the rails here. Um, now, uh, Mark brought up a, a very good point and, uh, uh, the Richard Donner Supermans one yeah. one and two uh, are on my list for comic book flicks for sure. Oh yeah, um, they're they're both done for the for their time. They were done extremely well. Uh, they stayed true to the source material very very well. Christopher Reeve was the perfect Superman. It's even debatable today whether uh, Henry Cavill uh, can uh, can 
compare to Christopher Reeve just because he really was, he was, you know, uh, the Man of Steel. Well, he was the uh, heir to yeah. a parent. Like, didn't his grandfather played Superman on TV? They have a similar name. No, it's just oh, a no, similar that's, name. They're not related. Oh, really? It's, oh. it's very weird coincidence, but it's George Reeve, or George, I forget which one has the S, but it's, it's, I think it's George Reeve and Christopher Reeves, or uh, George Reeves and Christopher Reeve. I always fuck that up. But uh, okay. it's just a right, very well, now, weird now coincidence. And another weird coincidence is that they both suffered from very bad tragedies, <laughs> both of those guys. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the Richard Donner Supermans are amazing and, there was, there was a lot of struggle, like Richard Donner, um, those movies are produced by the Salkinds, it was like a father-son duo, like a, kind of like a Euro-trash family. But those were like <laughs> MGM movies, right? Or were they Universal? Uh, um, what, well, yeah, what's the logo when those open? I'm, I'm not, uh, it, I'm is not it, quite is sure. Is it, is it the, like, the, the Earth? Cause that's Universal. Well, no, it's, it's, it's Or is it the Lion? Cause it, that's it MGM. It has to be Warner Brothers, doesn't it? Actually, I, I believe it would have to be, yeah. Yeah, it would definitely would have think to be Warner too? Brothers, yeah. Yeah, it was Warner Brothers, yeah. yeah. That, well, all of us were kind of asleep uh, on that one, yeah. It totally was. War- Warner Oops. Brothers, yeah. I um, haven't seen it. Well, in my opinion, you know, the first Superman, uh, you know, they did a great job. Gene Hackman was, was in my opinion, a very awesome Lex Luthor. Oh, he's, he's incredible, he's yeah. the best Lex Luthor we'll ever see. Yeah. Uh, and then in Superman 2, they did a really good job with Zod. You know, and the Kryptonians. Uh, but then you get to Superman 3 and 4. Oh, yeah. And that's where I got, I got lost. I, well, yeah. I didn't get lost because there wasn't much in the ways of like a decent plot, but, uh, it lost me, it lost my attention. It, it, Richard Pryor was this computer hacker. Yeah, he and, makes kryptonite out of cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and, <laughs> I don't know, the story was a little bogus. And then, uh, the quest for peace, Superman 4, um, I don't know. It was yeah. just... Was that the one when Lex Luthor uh, manufactures his own Superman from the piece yeah. of hair that was holding the weight up in the Smithsonian? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's kind of a cool idea. I kind of like that movie. No, it, it, well, the, yeah, it's not a bad premise. It's basically bizarro, you know? They're, yeah, right. Yeah. But the um, the reason that 3 and 4 are bad is is because of the Salkinds. Like, the, Richard Donner struggled when he was making that first movie fighting back and forth to make a good movie because they wanted to have a bunch of TV star cameos. Uh, like, um, uh, they, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Kojak. They wanted him to come in, 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 in the Superman would fly by him and he would go, who loves your baby? Oh, jeez. They wanted that in the movie. And Richard Donner was like, well, no, you hired me, so I'm not making a piece of shit. <laughs> and, he, and they shot that that original screenplay. They hired Mario Puzo to to write the original screenplay, and then uh-huh. I forget the name. There was like a script doctor that came in and kind of fixed everything up, but it was a big chunk of meat. And they were like, "All right, this is two movies." In uh, the original ending of both movies is him spinning around the world, but they didn't. They they so they shot him back to back, and they needed to. The date was coming up for them to release the first Superman, so they needed to finish production on that. So they halted production on two, finished the first one, released it, and then once the first one was done, they fired Richard Donner. But he shot most of Superman 2. So that's so, why Superman 2 is good. Well, there you have That's it. why it's kind of good. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever uh-huh. seen the Richard Donner cut? No, no. There's there's a Richard Donner cut of the movie hmm. uh, because he shot like 90% of the movie. And because they brought in another director in in order to comply with the director's guild, 
technically you need to shoot 51% of the film. So they needed to shoot a ton of new footage. They kept what they could from Richard Donner's up to 50% or 49%. Oh. And then they had to shoot a bunch of new stuff. That's when you get the fucking S coming off his chest. Oh, yeah. The, the new director they hired, I think his name's Mark Lester. He directed the third one, so it shows you on his own what kind of fucking movie he can make. <laughs> so he fucked up Richard Donner's Superman, and yeah. then he made trashy Superman 3. Then they sold the rights to Canon, which is like the worst movie company at the time. <laughs> yeah. And they made Superman 4. It just kept going to... Margot Kidder in Superman 4? Oh, my... What happened? Yeah. Her, her like, <laughs> bottom jaws trembling and hanging off, and she's, like, 50 years older, even though it's been, like, 10 years. There wasn't, like, a 20-year exodus after that. Like, Superman... Yeah, they, another Superman wasn't up. made for 20 years. Yeah. And there was that uh, that one... That one that Tim Burton was going to uh, direct, and yeah, Kevin a- Smith wrote the script for it, and they had Nicolas Cage casted. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's seen those pictures online, yeah. too. They are <laughs> so hilarious. They're, it's gross. It was going to be a, what I think would have been a beautiful disaster. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like Batman and Robin. Everyone shits on Batman and Robin. We live in a world where we get to have that movie. We have Batman. Yeah. The, the silver Batman. <laughs> and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger plays Mr. We live in that world. <laughs> that's a, that's, this is an alternate universe where, like, we're sitting down right now going, oh my god, what if there was a Nicolas Cage Superman? <laughs> There's another universe where they're like, wouldn't it be crazy if, if George Clooney played Batman? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think if the, the Iceman coming, yeah. <laughs> if, if they made a cool better script, party, chill out. <laughs> if they made a better script, I could see like a kind of, uh, like a movie starring George Clooney as Batman in he the form of kind of like yeah. Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, yeah. George Clooney's old enough to make that movie now, and like you know he's a good actor. Yeah, but I think we're gonna end up getting in that with Ben Affleck. Yeah, this seems where they're headed because he's supposedly already an older-ish Batman. I think oh, it's yeah. great. Like there, there was like a studio screening, got, got a um, standing ovation, but it could have been people just jerking their bosses off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it was probably half and half. Yeah, I, I mean, people are about as passionate about Batman as some people are passionate about Jesus. Yeah, especially nowadays. Yeah. Um... Not sure where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> no. But yeah, they, no. the um, Superman series just uh, really... That first one's great. And then after that, there's so much tragedy. Oh, and, the, and the, the thing about the Richard Donner cut. Someone went in, took all the footage that they had that they never used, and recut the movie. And then filled in that last 10% with like screening footage and stuff like that. Like... Um, huh. uh, you know, when, when they're just doing test screening. Is this something te- you can pick shoots. a hard copy of? Yeah. Up, like, you can buy this. Yeah, it's not like a weird internet bootleg or anything. You can get it in stores, and it's it's great. Um, it, it's a be- way better movie. If you <laughs> like the second one, then you'll love the Richard Donner cut. It's, uh, Zod is so much more serious. Uh, it's scarier. Like, there's there's a lot of comedy, and that's what Mark Lester... I think his name's Mark Lester. I know his last name's Lester. Uh, that's what he was kind of known for. Was like he's like a British comedy director. There's not as much humor in the second one, which is good. Mm. Fuck humor. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you a comedian? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, yeah, I know exactly. We're talking about movies right now. <laughs> well, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, your point can be valid for uh, a story such as Superman. I mean, you look at some of the other uh, comic book movies that have come out recently, like Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man, yeah. and they have incorporated humor very well mm-hmm. and made it work really well. Uh, but, but those are the kind of stories where you can do that. Superman is, is actually a very intense story uh, about an alien who is trying to blend in with the human population. And if said alien ever realized, you know, uh, the, the godlike power and the amount of destruction that he can cause, and if his morals ever did change, you know, and, and that, that's sort of some of the uh, points that Lex Luthor has brought up over the years in the source material and uh, even in uh, the first Richard Donner movie as well. So, um you know, it, it, it's one of those movies, a lot of DC movies seem to have a uh, more serious, more a darker tone almost, yeah. uh, uh, as opposed to and some of them. deeper voices. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I wasn't trying to shit on humor in comic book movies at all. Like, it, it's just, it needs to be done right. Like, obviously. Oh, exactly, exactly. The, in Superman 3, there's a scene where he flies through, a, like, a, um automatic photo booth. And you see Clark Kent changing, and this little kid's like, "Whoa, shucks!" And it's like, <laughs> "Fuck!" Like, it, it, yeah. It's got nothing to do with the story. It's just like a dumb gag. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but but yeah, like Marvel, I think they make a point of trying to put as inject yeah. as much humor as possible in their movies, and right. and it works well. It's, yeah. It's very organic. It, it it's not like uh, it's not forced. Yeah, uh, and, and with some of their characters, especially like I said, some of those newer characters that they've brought to the screen, uh, the the way just the way those stories mm-hmm. are, you're 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 able to incorporate humor and it works well. Uh, yeah. So they even get away with doing some good like slapstick almost stuff like yeah. physical comedy with you know the Avengers and stuff. Oh like yeah, how they play off each other. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's that absolutely. great moment where. There, there's a lot of tension between Hulk and Thor, yeah. and after they take down that giant flying snake thing, yeah. they're standing there heroic, and Hulk mm. just punches them out of frame. <laughs> Get them back from earlier, yeah, yeah, yeah. when they were on the uh, helicarrier. That's, yeah. that's like Looney Tunes, right? Yeah, but that's what I mean. Works. It's, yeah, it's, it's like cartoonish. It, it works human. really well, yeah. yeah. And like Iron Man, obviously, it was like a hilarious character when those first came out. They're like, you know, it was like slightly almost raunchy. His, oh yeah, uh, just his behavior. And just everything. like a total arrogant playboy, like right. the um, Robert Downey Jr. really does arrogant extremely well. Yeah, I mean the the character wasn't too far of an offshoot of like how he acted in the eighties, where he'd just be like this drunk playboy kind of back then too. Right, it was probably the most perfect casting they could have done outside of uh, Patrick Stewart being uh, Professor X. I remember when they were making an X-Men movie, I'm like, who else? They have to hire Patrick Stewart. They have to. If, if they don't hire him, you know what? I'm not going to watch a movie if they get someone else. Yeah. I, I was just so... And then they did it. I'm like, good. They listened. <laughs> yeah. He he was perfect. Uh, I actually really liked the casting for, for most of the uh, X-Men characters anyways. Yeah. Um, Maybe with the exception of, well, it's not even a casting issue, but in, in, uh, the, the first Wolverine, the X-Men Origins Wolverine, nah. they, how they, uh, they didn't do Deadpool quite, quite right. Um, yeah. They but really they're, they're fixing that. I've already seen the, I'm sure you guys have all already yeah. seen the trailer. That, that's gonna be, that's gonna be something to anticipate. Sick. Yeah. So, 
But um, yeah, I guess moving right along. Um, so we discussed the era of uh, uh, the dawn of, of uh, the Richard Donner Superman and uh, sort of you know the the, the pioneer uh, movie franchise that got things going, and then then we mentioned. Uh, Batman 1989, uh, Tim Burton, um, his first two Batmans were, were for their time, uh, phenomenal. Uh, they really captured the essence of Batman really well. I mean, you look at Batman 1966, uh, you know, that was a very colorful, very fun, very lighthearted show, uh, but it didn't really capture the essence of the Dark Knight. Uh, Bruce Wayne, as we all know, is a very uh, tortured soul, and, mm-hmm. and it, it's a very dark, gritty story. There's a lot of violence involved and, and a lot of uh, corruption and blood and what have you. And, uh, you know, Tim Burton was the first uh, director to really be able to uh, showcase that on, on the big screen. Now, obviously, when Joel Schumacher took over the reins uh, for Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, you got kind of a different feel with that. Things got a little goofier, a little bit more cartoony. Uh I still like watching Batman Forever uh, for kicks and gigs every so often. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Well, uh, and as silly know. as it was, it was still – the cast was still amazing. Outside of Chris O'Donnell, Tommy Lee Jones was an amazing Two-Face. Mm-hmm. And Jim Carrey is probably still my pick to play the Riddler at any given moment in time. Well, uh, I think nowadays he'd make a kick-ass Riddler if you know they took away like like the bright orange wig and stuff and like let him have his natural hair, you know, kind of mm, yeah, like just ha- with the glasses and just have him be like this like really creepy, geeky, like you know, narcissistic, maniacal, you know, like the Riddler is. Yeah, yeah. You know how I always thought they should do the Riddler is is like if you want to go Christopher Nolan style with the Riddler, yeah, make him the Zodiac killer. Because that's what he is, basically. Exactly. And, and just have him, like, bent on this whole, um, like, he gets he gets kicks on people getting hurt, but he doesn't want to directly be responsible for it. No, he's like, saw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very much like that. It's, it's but, very, like, very. In he, fact, um, it's funny you say that because I watched a documentary on the History Channel. Believe it or not, they, they, had, <laughs> they had a Batman documentary on the psychology behind the all the Batman characters uh, uh-huh. on the History Channel, and they they actually compared the Riddler to both the Zodiac and Ted Bundy. Okay, uh, yeah. If you if you remember Ted Bundy, he was that serial killer who they just they fucking they couldn't catch for for the longest time, and he was he, he was so suave, and you wouldn't expect. Yeah, and, and so narcissistic about not being caught that eventually it caught up to him. Mm-hmm. And that's the same deal with the Riddler. He's so narcissistic that he has to leave a clue behind to say, hey, that was me. You yeah. know, same deal. Eventually yeah. he gets caught. So it's kind of cool because a character like that is extremely pertinent to real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, exactly. If it was done in like the Christopher Nolan fashion where things are a little more realistic, that would be the perfect way to do it. Uh, so yeah, that's really cool. In fact, um, not to go on too big of a tangent on this, but they just came out, uh, DC just came out with a, with a new, uh, hardcover, uh, uh, Batman story, uh, called Earth One Part Two, uh, written by Jeff Johns, who's, uh, the 
creative uh, executive officer of uh, DC Comics. You know, who, who, by the way, worked with Richard Donner. Uh, that's how he started his career. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. He started actually in the film industry, uh, and now he kind of does a little screenwriting, a little uh, producing, and a little bit of comic book writing. He does. He kind of has his feet in all the different doors now. But yeah, uh, brilliant man. And and he uh, wrote a Riddler story. It just came out like two weeks ago, and I just read it. And it, it was the best Riddler story. And and Zero Year was of course great too. But this was just the best Riddler story. It was the most realistic. It was just like you were describing with this, you know, this guy who's, uh, I'll just give you one example. Uh, you know, he's, he crashes, uh, a whole elevator full of people, uh, after the, he brings them up to the penthouse. He's got complete control of the elevator. He's, he's not there. He's talking through the phone, the call box. And, uh, they don't get the riddle right, and he drops them 40 stories to their death, you know. And he does things like that throughout the whole story. And yeah. he doesn't look like the traditional Riddler. He's got, like, this overcoat, and he's got this, like, uh, question mark tattoo on his face, and he's, like, just looks like a madman. But, like, it looks a lot more realistic, kind of like those, uh, uh, famous serial killers and that you, you know, that, that are real life, uh, stories, uh, you know, from, from our history. So, uh, you know, it's really cool stuff, and you know, I think if they use him uh, in a movie again, it'll probably end up being a lot like that. Uh, Jeff Johns is supposedly writing uh, a Batman trilogy, a solo Batman trilogy, to go along in the DC Extended Universe uh, with Ben Affleck. Uh, and I would not be surprised if uh, a, a Riddler, that type of a Riddler, a, you know, a real serious... Uh, uh, serial killer Riddler uh, shows up in that trilogy. So. Yeah, you kind of have to. Like they, they, they brought the Joker back already, and it's just so it's been done so many times, and and it's it's been like my favorite is Nicholson. Oh yeah, uh, I I love that Joker. Um, but uh, talk about he, having humor in a yeah, because I mean, uh, aside from him, there isn't a lot of humor in DC stuff, but. Yeah, he was hilarious. Oh, that. he was hilarious. Yeah, it was, it in, was like a, in a very dark way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think they they hit like a lot of people shit on that '89 Batman movie. I don't know how you guys feel about it. That was like I love it. Yeah, me too. I, I remember watching that like as like a five year old. It was amazing. Yeah. So it it's like obviously it's a little dated, but for its time, for its time, it's a, if you look at it just in, from that perspective, holy shit, it's a game changer. Yeah. It was. It, it, it was just like that. W- that year was Batmania. That was like the big thing that was going on that year. My but balloons. Yeah. <laughs> He's got he my, took my, my balloons. balloons. Why didn't you tell me I had one of those things? <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much that the Joker did in that movie that was just so darkly funny. It worked with the story. It wasn't just. It wasn't just for the sake of a cheap joke. It, it was like no, this guy's fucked up, and he does <laughs> like my my whole take on on the Joker is like he's like Andy Kaufman if Andy Kaufman was fine with killing people, because <laughs> if he could go that extra yeah. level, like wouldn't it be funny if like this guy tri- slipped on a banana peel and then fell off a building, and then snapped <laughs> his neck? Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> you know, that's actually that's that's a wicked interesting uh, description. Uh, and that that would make a lot of sense, you know. Actually, uh, in the Killing Joke, uh, Alan Moore's uh, uh, Joker origin that he wrote, uh, the Joker was in fact uh, Jack Napier is is 
known as the Joker's alias. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes they like to go with, you know, uh, an un- unknown origin of the Joker, but I like the Jack Napier uh uh, origin, and he was actually he was a failed stand-up comedian, right? And he couldn't provide for his family, and so he turned to a life of crime, and you know, uh, joined the Red Hood gang, fell in the vat of toxic waste, yada 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 yada. Um, so they gotta stop leaving those vats of toxic waste lying around. Oh, jeez, uh, I tell you, you know, <laughs> it's, they, they, there needs to be. I mean. There's a new election season coming up, and <laughs> I think that issue should be brought. If someone to the had a, a position on on vats of toxic waste, I, I think they'd really garner the vote. <laughs> you know, what they also need to do is cage up all the radioactive animals that are giving people uh, all these superpowers. True, that too. Yeah, but I mean, once you do that, then where where are all the good story arcs going to come from? You know, what always piss me off about Spider Man. Some versions of Spider Man is that he doesn't make his own web. Like I, oh. I, I hate. The I web. hate that too. I hate the web shooters because it's like, wait a minute, how is he a spider without? That's the one thing that describes a spider, other than having eight eyes and and eight legs, is that you have you make webs. Well, I think yeah. in the animated he have series. any of that. I thought he made his own webs in the animated he, in, series, in right? In almost everything he makes his own webs. Well, I mean... Not, not, like, not the movie. I'm sorry. The, yeah. Um, um, there's so wait, mechanical what, what, versus organic. Uh-huh. Almost everything is mechanical. The fir- One of the first times I've ever seen it organic was in the movie. Mm-hmm. The, the Sam yeah. Raimi movie. Right. Well, yeah, the Tobey Maguire's. That's what they, they, uh, they, so, did, they did it right. A lot of people, uh, yeah. they, they, a lot of people bitch about the third installment. It was bad. Um, it, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, the first movie was epic because it was just yeah. like, "Yep, Marvel is in the movie game now." Like Spider-Man, yeah. for all intents and purposes, is Marvel's Batman. He's that one flagship character that you yeah. be like, "Yep, that's the guy." And you couldn't do him right, just like the Hulk. You couldn't do him right until, like, I bash on CGI, but some things you're like, "Well, yeah, you have to do that with you know." It's it's hard to. You can't get a man to run around the city like that. No. Oh, Without. except for Lou Ferrigno, maybe. I don't know. Well, well <laughs> I'm just kidding. Lou Ferrigno, see, that's the thing. Is like He's a big guy. He's pr- as big as you get, basically. And they painted him green, and he still looked like a little turd. Because, yeah. Because <laughs> like, the Hulk needs to be the size of like a, a shed. Yeah. <laughs> a very large shed. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You yeah. can't be like a ma- even a very muscular man doesn't look like the Hulk. Yeah. yeah. They, they, I mean, they for all intents and purposes, I mean, uh, they did the best they could with Lou, and 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 it was for its time also a very good uh, series. But uh, I think Brock Lesnar would play a good Hulk. I think <laughs> I think if they had to resort now to uh, casting the Hulk uh, as a, you know as, as a human a actor, actor, yeah, uh, absolutely. But uh, you know, luckily enough, uh, CGI uh, <laughs> CGI has has its uses for things like that. So, um, so we so you know we we, we travel through time here through uh, comic book cinema, and uh, we get past the Supermans and the Batmans, and we enter uh, the early stages of Marvel. Uh, getting uh, their their shot at the silver screen, uh, Blade, X Men, Spider Man, and eh, Fantastic Four. 
Uh, I mean, those those first two Fantastic Four movies, from what I understand, are are a few hairs better than than what just came out. Oh yeah. And I, <laughs> I remember you uh, giving me a little bit of uh, info because uh, because you uh, you had the luxury of going to see uh, yeah. the new Fantastic Four. Yeah, movie. I'll see anything. Yeah. Well, yeah. you have to with your your deal you got. I know. I got the movie pass. I, I yeah. Can, you can see a movie a day. Well, uh, so <laughs> the the um. The problem with some of the early uh, Marvel movies, because this Marvel, what you mentioned, or one of us mentioned, the levels of, of comic book cinema like starts at Superman, and then you get Batman in '89, and then um, then the X Men, uh, and then Iron Man. Before Iron Man was the first Marvel Studios movie, correct? They made their own movie studio, and then they were like, "We're going to do it right because you guys are really doing a bad job here." <laughs> and and uh, so before that, like the Spider Man movies, and and especially the Fantastic Four, they they're they're produced by this guy named Avi Arad, Arad, Avi Arad. Yes, yes. Who's also. Uh he was an editor at Marvel too for a yeah. time. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he knows comics, but he's responsible for some good stuff, which I would only credit him for the good stuff being uh, some of the animated '90s Marvel stuff, like uh, the X-Men cartoon, and, right? Um, but in the Spider-Man cartoon, Spider-Man one, yeah. But when he got his hands in, on movies, he just like he's responsible for Daredevil sucking. The first That's Daredevil. right. We... He's responsible for Ghost Rider. He's responsible for Fantastic Four. He he was like the guy. Like he hired the directors, the the screenwriters, all that, and and they blew. And he's like one of the reasons that Marvel Studios had to step in and be like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" No, they, they sold their rights, all their big stuff, but you know. They figured, all right, let's hold on to what we have and make that good at least. And then, you know, little by little, they're they're getting some of their rights back. We're lucky yeah. enough to get well, Spider Man yeah. back in the. They Marvel's got that agreement with Spider Man, and then yeah. uh, they got Blade back. They got Ghost Rider back. Did they get Blade back? They have it. Yeah. Oh, okay. They got Punisher back. They got um, Punisher back because he's going to show up in the Netflix series uh, Daredevil. Daredevil yeah. season yeah. two. Yep. Uh, cool. And they obviously got Daredevil back. They got Daredevil back. Yeah. yeah. So they got in. So yeah, uh, I think you know what they've done too is, is since they don't have Fantastic Four right now, they've taken Guardians of the Galaxy and they've sort of used that franchise as their outlet to all of Marvel's cosmic entities. Yeah, because up until that point, Fantastic Four was always you know the outlet to to your watcher and your galactus and your uh thanos and this and that well not necessarily thanos because he was a big avengers villain too but uh you know you you get the idea uh scrolls super scroll and what have you um so they're taking guardians of the galaxy and they're using that franchise which is just red hot right now uh, to do the same thing, to introduce all these cosmic entities, you know, space characters, if you will. Uh, that movie, by the way, was great for, for um, the industry in general because they just stepped in and proved you don't need to take something that everyone knows. Because I didn't know what the fuck Guardians of the Galaxy was when I heard they were making that movie, and I was genuinely disappointed when I heard the announcement because... There's so much stuff I would like to see first. I'd like to see Doctor Strange, you know, which they're doing, but at the time, it was way down the road. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And then they they proved, like, no, 
you, you just need to tell a story the right way, and it'll make bank. Uh, it's like one of the highest grossing movies in their studio and just of all time. And it, it was the highest grossing movie that summer, too. That's right. And, you know... That was a really good year. The, the casting was perfect. Uh, you know, the characters and, and just their dynamic... It, it, it works really well with the banter and yeah. that, that provides a lot of comic relief but at the same time you get all these other different entities from Marvel's cosmic universe and you know you get the Nova Corps yep. you get the Kree Empire you get Ronan the Accuser and uh, the Xandarians and I could go on and on but uh, you wouldn't have that uh, without Guardians because uh Marvel can't get the rights to Fantastic Four uh, anytime soon, from what I've heard. Oh, so. there's like Sony for a while has been wanting to work with Marvel, so that's why they're sharing Spider-Man. But there's a really nasty grudge w- between Fox and Marvel. Ooh. Well, yeah, well like, that's really bad. Fox has their hands on X-Men, one of the most yeah. successful Marvel properties there is. Yep. And Marvel begrudgingly they can cut off Fantastic Four because there's no longer a Fantastic Four book. And the problem won't be for they, a couple years. They stopped. That's one of one of their moves. Like they they stopped printing that book because they didn't want to help the sales of the movie. Right. They're, they're like, "Fuck your movie." <laughs> right. Another <laughs> thing that they do, Marvel has the merchandising rights to all these properties. Right. They don't create merchandise for X Men or or Fantastic Four when Fox puts them out. Really? Yeah. Because wow. yeah, I mean, go, they can't begrudgingly. They're not. Um, they still have to make X Men books. They'd lose way too much cash in the in yeah, the comic stores. Yeah. But it's funny they're they're doing well enough that they can take losses because if Fantastic Four is such a well known name, like canceling that book, I know they they were saying that it wasn't selling well or whatever. They, no, it, they it, were taking it wasn't. a loss they, on purpose. They what they did was the characters are still very much involved in in the Marvel universe. Characters like the Human Torch, Reed Richards, Invisible Woman, and the Thing have just moved on to other books. Uh-huh. Yeah, they they stuck the Thing with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah he's going to be oh, in Guardians. Great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. going to be cool. The Human yeah. Torch is going to be in the Uncanny in Humans book. Uh, Reed Richards is always involved in every major Marvel arc, no matter what. Yeah, he's sort of like the the scientific consultant. He's the the yeah. uh, the Illuminati, one of the Illuminati. One right? of them. correct. Between yeah. him and Tony Stark, they're like one and one A as far as like who's the smart guy in the Marvel universe. Right. Oh, I I would throw Hank McCoy in there too. Uh, but he he's too much of a softy to be an Illuminati. Yeah, yeah, he definitely is. Well, no, I well, mean, actually, there, all but... of them, all these guys were like uh, Tony Stark, uh, Black Panther, Bruce Banner, uh, Namor. Um, Namor was the one that I was just I, I, Tony. I, St- I, I did I read? I don't know anything about Namor. I know he's he's like uh, has sharp ears. He, he's basically like if Aquaman was a complete douche, uh-huh. like a complete douche, like yeah. not even just half a douche. I like. guess he's like an Atlantean, but he's a mutant Atlantean. Okay. Oh, that's cool. And he's like he's <laughs> like the king of Atlantis. So but why is he in the Illuminati? Like, why does anyone even trust him? Well, I well, guess I don't know. Need that world represented somehow. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's just like the shady guy under the water. The surface world doesn't trust him, and they're kind of making decisions for everybody else, which is kind of like what their thing was before Secret Wars happened. I know he's one of the very original Marvel characters and original superheroes. Want to well, know what his name was? What was it? Seaman. Seaman. 
Yeah. Like the Dreamcast game? <laughs> was that before you became the Submariner? Was that it? Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it might be Submariner. Did I, I might have just made a joke and I didn't even know yeah. it. Well, there was, there was an old, <laughs> very old book. It was like one of the first event books and it was, it was produced by Marvel. It was, it was pre-Stan Lee. And oh, it wow. was, um, I really think it actually was the Submariner. Yeah, I don't probably. know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> no, it, it was. I'm not wrong right. very often here on the <laughs> podcast. I'll have to eat that one. Oh, um, my pride. It's so sore. The, uh, <laughs> you could have just left it as, hey, as a joke. But a boom. Ah, well. It's well, all they, good, though. <laughs> I mean, we don't know everything about everything. That's why we're uh, all here. We're going to put our heads together, and if if one of us doesn't know something, someone else at the table is going to. When yeah. you're talking about pop culture, you probably, like, each week should preface the episode with corrections. Because, like, I, I'm pulling stuff out of my ass. Like, I assume I know this stuff. But no, I, we I, all I can, are. Yeah. Um, the you know it's like I, I obviously care about it, but I'm gonna get names wrong and dates wrong and stuff like that because I'm not that autistic. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, the one of the original Marvel events was it was the Submariner versus the Human Torch, and the it wasn't Johnny Storm Human Torch, same name Human Torch, but it was like a robot that turned into fire. Yeah, it was a different guy, and, and they fought each other. That's right. The Human Torch was originally, and it was correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he was the first character that Stan created? I don't think so. Or no, no, no. I don't Stan, think no, no. Stan created. It was created before Stan. Stan yeah. was one of the was the first to alter him and make him Johnny Storm. Yeah. But yeah, the the Human Torch was one of the first Marvel Marvel characters. Human yeah. Torch. Yeah. I guess yeah, before them I guess in Stanley's documentary you said something like they'd be like we'd make up a name. And we'd create a monster out of this. And I'd be like, this isn't very interesting. I have no, nothing in common with a giant mouth mud demon. (laughs) But, yeah, I guess back then it was just like they had a certain formula where it was just like, uh, oh, Thor's going to take down the big scary three-headed monster. Yeah. And then everything will be okay. But then next issue, there'll be a giant swamp monster. <laughs> giant ice giant monster. And he's gonna. A giant ice swamp. <laughs> <laughs> next I, uh, week. I have to say this about, about like some of the, what I consider these fringe characters. I know that you can go deeper outside of this, but, um, like Thor, Iron Man, basically, except for Hulk, what, the characters that ended up in the Avengers movie, like Hawkeye and and Black Widow, it's Black Widow. Yeah, yeah. Black Widow. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, they um, first of all, I never gave a shit about them, and, <laughs> and and secondly, I considered them all like fringe characters except for Hulk. Like no one, no one talked about Thor, or you, you, if you have a conversation about comic books, Thor would hardly ever come up. And and then Marvel has the balls to be like, yeah, we're gonna make a Thor movie, and and you're like, how? <laughs> he well, just yeah. has a he just has a hammer. That's what Thor. That's all of Thor. Yeah, and they're like, no, it's actually pretty interesting. Well, well Thor I know Jack Kirby, a lot of good Jack Kirby stories. Just but, yeah. Thor used to be huge back in the day, but I see what you mean. Like during the nineties, like, well, what are the good Thor stories? Thor stories. What are the major story arcs he was in? Yeah, go ahead. I'll wait. Yeah, and exactly. then you wait for like an entire day, and you don't get yeah. an answer. It was, no one's just really been that interested in the book. I'm, what Marvel's really done a good job of is just creating interest in, in yeah. these they got it from fringy me. characters. 
They like, did. They called you up and they were yeah. like, Mark, I don't know what to do. We got the properties to all these characters, but Fox is screwing up with all these movies and we yeah. don't know what to do. What do we do, Mark? No, I mean, like, they got my, I, like, I, I'm telling you the truth, I did not give a shit about Thor. Now I think he's so fun when, when I see him on screen. It makes me want to read the books. And, uh, same thing for Iron Man. Like, I, I remember, I kind of liked the cartoon a little bit, but, you know, I wouldn't bend over backwards for the guy. I didn't give a shit. Yeah. About Iron <laughs> Man. Well, but that book's Robert, about to get a lot better. Brian it? Michael Bendis is about to start writing it oh, coming cool. this fall. So it's like. Oh, and there's, there's been great stories, like, uh, you know, there's like Demon in a Bottle was one of the big ones, and then um, just just the Demon in the Bottle of, was great. Yeah, can and, you fill me in? I'm not uh, too familiar. Well, well, that's the one that it basically deals with his struggle with alcoholism, which I think at the time there were a lot of comics that were dealing with drug addiction and alcohol problems and stuff like that, ah. and, and he just gives up being Iron Man, and that's when War Machine comes in and takes over. Right? Yeah. Uh, was that why he's in the suit for the original Secret Wars? Right. Uh, yeah, uh, Colonel Rhodes was Iron Man, but no one knew, uh, everyone, uh, you know, the Avengers and X-Men, uh, uh, in Battle World, no one knew that it wasn't Tony Stark. Uh, but yeah, um, that was back when, uh, there were a lot also of- Also spousal abuse. That was another. <laughs> I, I believe that. Ant-Man. Yeah. Ant-Man. Ant-Man? Yeah, Hank Pym, he beat his wife. I believe it. I, be- I believe it. <laughs> they, they was like, "Let's get real." That, that was around the the time of. Um, yeah, yeah. He was he was masquerading around his yellow jacket, and I guess I read the article on that. I guess what they meant to do was he accidentally hits her, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, how could you do this?" But it was supposed to be an accident. Well, he had an and, anger problem, and then the guy who ended up um, who ended up doing dr- letters, doing the illustrating on that. The guy who wrote it's like, oh, and then the guy who was drawing it was like. All right, we're in the, we're in the, I don't know, whatever year it was. It was like, she gotta go big or go home. And yeah. he had like, he like ends up like hitting her like with an overhanded fist as opposed to like <laughs> struggling. Like, no, let me, this is my microwave. And then accidentally like jerking it and like hitting her accidentally. Okay. So then, and then he just changed it. So he was just like, what? <laughs> and then just like overhand. Hard he had as he an angry face too. That yeah. And he was very, very. I don't know why the Ant Man had to change his name fifteen times. He went from Yellow J- Giant Man, Ant Man, the uh, Yellow Jacket to yeah. Oh my goodness, there's so many different like just that's just something gone wrong. You know your character isn't very very secure in in his fans or anything if he keeps like changing his identity every like five years. It, it, it was cool in the in the Ant Man movie. They have Hank Pym and then the Paul Rudd plays a different. Uh, iteration of the character. Yeah, it's like that in the yeah. books too. Um, the uh, Hank Pym though has an anger problem. It, it's cool. Like he punches a guy out in the in the beginning of the movie. And that's right. Yeah. Now, see, I for some reason always considered Hank Man, the Hank Pym, to be uh, a, a mild mannered uh, science nerd of some yeah, sort. Yeah. But I guess. Uh, that wasn't a title that I had ever gotten into until right before the movie came out and they put out that the book uh, with Scott right. Scott Lang being you know the real uh, center of attention uh, yeah the well, second or Ant Man the, the cartoons always have him as like the like the conscious conscientious the conscientious yes objector yeah. The guy who's like always trying to avoid um, conflict and stuff. He has that miniature prison, right? 
Yes. That's one of the coolest Great. ideas. I, I only know about that. By the way, I've read a lot of comics. Very clearly not as many as you guys. Most of my knowledge comes from animated uh, like, com- like, well, that, that's like where the, we started too. Like, yeah. like the, I love the X Men series, the Spider Man series, the '90s stuff, and mm-hmm. I, uh, anytime Marvel or DC puts out an animated feature, I'm all about it. And all of their TV shows, like, like uh, Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes, yeah. And I yeah. think there was one just called Avengers. Like, they were back to back. Avengers Assemble, Assemble was better yes. than Avengers: <clears throat> Mightiest Heroes in my mind. Avengers: Mightiest Heroes on Disney XD currently, not as good as Avengers Assemble. Oh, yeah, the Avengers Assemble was the first one. That wasn't it, the first one. It was just, uh, it's, it's a little more recent. Um, so Earth's Mightiest Heroes was the first one. Well, uh, no, Avengers Earth Might. Well, actually, was that the one that was on Fox with like, this isn't the Avengers, where's Captain America and Iron Man? Because um, the, the Avengers that was on Fox Saturday mornings uh, originally was like Wonder Man, Ant Man, oh, Wasp, back. Hawkeye, back. Uh, Vision, um, I mean, uh, Falcon, it was just, it was Avengers, but it was just like, the Avengers Farm Club. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, the, like, they're like, not ready for the big leagues, and then like, yeah, everyone's the, J- the JV team. It's like, what is this? Yeah. You're giving us the JV team. The yeah. That's what I was really- The Avengers? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was so disappointed by I, that, cause when I heard that it was coming out on Fox, I'm like, oh, but it's gonna be awesome, like the X-Men cartoon. When you say this, is it like, very recently? Like, this one that I'm talking five, about- six years? The, the the farm team Avengers was the one that it came out in like the late nineties and it didn't last very long. Okay. This other one, Avengers Assemble, came out in the early is sometime around the two thousands. That's that, the one you like. That one is really really good. Okay, so because I'm and just, then there's the Earth's Mightiest Heroes because that one got and, canceled. It, it only lasted like uh, one or two seasons. And they stopped, and then they were like, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes came right after that. Yeah. Well, I and, mean, Disney... Which I haven't seen. I've only seen Avengers Assemble, and I really liked it a lot. Avengers Assemble yeah. is amazing. That's Even on though, Netflix right now. It's only two seasons, but I think they covered most of the major story arcs yeah, that they have the Avengers have, have ever, ever uh, encountered in that. Yeah, and they got he's got the Ultron robots for, like yeah. before the real, the sentient one. Yeah. After, like, this other... It's, that one is every bit as solid Avengers... Cartoon, and they pace oh. themselves too. It they took their time. Off. There's some stories that you had to wait over time that built up. Yeah, that uh, they're like, oh my god, oh that's from that episode. Like right. really good storytelling. Yeah, now if you're gonna watch an Avengers cartoon, Avengers Assemble, and yeah. I'm pretty sure it's still on Netflix. The only thing criticism I'll give is that the guy, who, and it was obviously a studio decision, but the guy that voices. Tony Stark is just trying to doing a Robert Downey Jr. impersonation. It's kind of it, yeah, oh man. <laughs> it, 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 it's very weird. It's you know, it's like like when they made the real Ghostbusters cartoon, they tried not to do that, and it works because they stand on their own in the animated yeah, version of yeah. it. But right, then when yeah. you no, try to knock off the movie version of something, it's right. it's just like distracts you. I feel the same way like uh, Batman the animated series. Uh huh. Like, they, they, they had like, alright, well, this is, you're not playing Michael Keaton Batman, yeah, you're playing yeah. Batman. Yeah. And to this day, Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman. I don't He's care Batman. who you- He's the best Batman. I don't care who you have oh, playing yeah. Batman. No, when I'm reading a Batman story arc, in my mind, like, like, 
Kevin Conroy's voice is speaking Batman's lines. Yeah. Mark Hamill is speaking the Joker's lines. Like, yep. those voices are, like, ingrained in my mind. And I know I'm not the only Bat fan where that, that you know, happens. It's, it's just uh, iconic uh, voice talent. It, the best. It, it was almost like that series was, like, listening to one of those old-school radio shows. But yeah. then you get... This awesome animation that goes along with it. It's just, it, it was a phenomenal success. Oh, well, I mean, that, that cartoon was so ahead of its time. It's still better than a lot of the animation out there now. Almost every yeah. episode is like watching a, a tiny 30 minute movie. Yeah. And, and, and like from, from start to finish, they have everything that you need from the plot. They build up the characters enough through everything and it's just excellent. They they scored those with a real orchestra, like no one does it anymore. You they do it with movies and that's it, but that's a, a big deal. And what um, Shirley Walker is is that did a lot of that music. I listen to that shit in the car all the time. <laughs> I, I, a while back they were putting the albums out of the music from those cartoons. Really? Yeah, that's it was awesome. La La Land music. I'd love to out. find that. Well, the, here's the thing. I think they're still on there. They put them on Spotify, and it's like three or four volumes of, of just that. That's great. Yeah, cool. it's really good. And the crazy thing is you can hear her, and there's like a special track. I, I don't know if it, I, every one of them has them, but the one I have has a special track at the end. Is she like barking where, orders at her orchestra? Well, no, it's just her <laughs> and a piano, and she's just explaining the theme. She's like, ah, and then, you know, this, and then she kind of hits her with the piano, and then she's like, and then this, and... And she's so calm and light about it, and you're like, I'm listening to a fucking genius right now. Which is <laughs> under, totally underappreciated. No one talks about her. She died. Um, so she didn't really get to, she did a couple movies, sort of, but she's, you know, she, I think it was like, you know, probably some kind of cancer or something. Well, yeah. 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 One, of, you One know. of them. Well, like, like some of the best creative minds of the age. I mean, they usually pass away before they're appreciated. Yeah, no, it's so great. I gotta. I, I wish I could find. I will find that, and I'll and I'll send it to you guys. Because listening to how she explains it, how calm she is, but what's coming out of her fingertips, you're like, what the? F-? It's good stuff. Wow. No. Uh, I mean, if if you watch the show, I mean, I watched a few episodes this morning. Uh, I mean. They even did a documentary, uh, Eric Radomsky, Bruce Tim, and Paul Dini, uh, uh, they spoke about when they got together and they first heard this orchestra play this music and they were just so, just energized by it. There's like, this is like exactly what we're going for. And yeah. it's like, when you collaborate on a creative project with someone and they totally understand what you're going for and they contribute to it in such an amazing way, there's, there's very little better feelings than that. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just, it's, it, it's something else, you know, uh, I'm sure you, we've all experienced something like that, whether it's making movies or comic books or whatever it is. Uh, right. Yeah, sometimes so. it's just perfect. Like, you guys have seen Dread, right? The, oh, yeah. The, that, that might be my favorite comic book movie. It's just because such, it's such like, a good movie. It's yeah. actually, it, it, it should be on my list. Um, I did enjoy the 3D aspect uh, of it. They did it. a good in, job in, with that, in the, yeah. in the theater, you know, especially with, like, you know, 
that drug that they had, uh, that they were showing people doing. Oh, I yeah, forget. what was it called? Like I, slow, I slow-mo or something Slow-mo, like that. I think. Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, I, I believe so, yeah. Um, the plot was really good, I mean, with the whole irradiated wasteland, like dystopian future. Yeah. Megaopolises. Me- Megaopolises, Mega City 1, Mega City 2, <laughs> yeah. and then you get the precognitive uh, uh, sidekick uh, on her they- first day out, and like she just enters that uh, peach tree building, and it's yeah. just chaos, and it's just like at the end of her first day, she's like, nope! <laughs> uh, I'm all set. I do not want to be a judge. I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's great. They take so many different feels from, from like, ro- that movie's very RoboCop. It's, oh, yeah. It's very Escape from New York. It's very Die Hard. Like, there's, there's so many great movies, and they With just... With the whole building aspect, yeah, the Die, yeah. die Hard, absolutely. Yeah, so, so many aspects. Yeah, that movie was way cool, yeah. Um... Coming up on the hour here, gentlemen, I do want to try to wrap up uh, yeah, I, at least the... Co- I think I've sidetracked you guys a lot. No, 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 but this is all pertinent. It's all good, yeah. it's all good info. But um, I just want to quickly rattle off the rest of these comic book movie titles uh, before we go on break. Um, I'll just say what I, the rest I got on my list right now. Um, uh we mentioned how the the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, evolved, you know, through Iron Man and Thor, and uh, then we got uh, something really special in the Avengers, where you have, you know, uh, this interconnected group of 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 of, of, of a team uh, on screen uh, that hasn't really been done before, where you know all of these movies kind of intertwine in, in their plots. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and they, you know, it com- every time, uh, so original. Yeah, it, it's. I it's mean, really I mean, done. they did do a team type thing with Watchmen, but right. but they didn't have their own separate movies. Exa- exactly. Well, oh, yeah, it's, it's unprecedented. It, it, it's unprecedented, and and you know, DC is tr- going to try to follow suit, but it's definitely it, it's it's uh, it's been a uh, an, a a type of situation where uh, uh, it's really been a pioneer. Uh, franchise uh, for uh, movie making and for for you know uh, con- different continuities that can mm-hmm. intertwine with your characters. You you got all these characters that you can use in these years and years of source material to fall back on, and all these same characters keep popping up in each other's books. And then Marvel realizes, well, we can use that same formula for feature films. We can have Ant Man pop up in Captain America: Civil War, or and I'm I'm just throwing stuff out there. Well, you know, you, we can have the Hulk pop up in Thor three, you know, or whatever, and it, yeah. it makes sense. You know, what's funny is like I had this notion a, a long time ago, and I thought it was the stupidest. I was like, why was I when I saw the first Spider Man movie? Yeah, there's a scene. I'm sitting in the theater. Um, there's the the towards the end of the movie, Green Goblin is um, he's I think Spider-Man's in a position where he has to choose who to save. He's like holding two groups of people, and he can only save one. And Green Goblin is that they're on the bridge. He's about to like just ruin shit for him, and all of a sudden something hits Green Goblin's head. And I'm sitting there in the theater, and I'm like, Wait a minute, was that Daredevil? 
Was that, was that like his, his staff, you know? Yeah. And, and then I'm like, no, that's stupid. That would be dumb. <laughs> that would be stupid because it would just be, no, nah. And then like 10 years later or more, like 15 years later, all of a sudden it's like, well, why isn't Daredevil in this movie? You know? Because yeah. <laughs> it, it makes sense and fans are going to want to see that. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing about that is all of those Netflix series that are going to be coming out, Daredevil, obviously, and all the characters within Daredevil, Punisher, Elektra, what have you, uh, along with Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, they all have uh, contracts <clears throat> to be in the Marvel movies as well. That's a great thing with Marvel. Like, Locke naive people into contracts that they have are forced to follow for like 20 years. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's the only way you can make this stuff I'm going to make a star out of you. Yeah. You're going to be indebted to me. Are you sure I'm Mr. Okay, you know, <laughs> well you seem nice enough. I'm kind of surprised Vince McMahon isn't behind uh, the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. I was going to say like um well that's like the same type of feeling with me in wrestling like back in the day back in like the late 90s when you'd have someone like like Razor Ramon like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash going over to WCW from WWE. It's like, oh my god, what's going on? This is crazy. Yeah. They're, they're not supposed to be there. Yeah. They're, they're over here. Yeah. But now they're over there now. It, shock, it shocks the public. It shocks, yeah. it shocks the fans. And, it's and like, how are they going to interact with these characters now? And, and now we're, 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 we're seeing the same thing on the DC side where, you know, you're going to see Batman popping up in Suicide Squad and Aquaman and Wonder Woman popping up in Batman vs. Superman and The Which, Flash. Which, by the way, I, I hate that that was spoiled. Batman and Suicide Squad is like set picks from Suicide Squad. Yeah, I, I know, like, oh, I know. Come on, that'd be such a cool, even if it's like at the beginning of the movie, it'd be so cool to see that on your own, you know? Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of guilty of, of, of <coughs> spoiling things for myself by going on the internet. And Well, and yeah, but you shouldn't be like, like, a lot of times they don't tell you spoilers. They act like it's not spoilers. I know. And I read tons of stuff about movies all the time, but you, like, like the one, uh, Star Wars. Uh, I've made I'm, it a point to absolutely avoid most of the, I've watched the first two trailers. Now yes, I'm, yeah. I am absolutely leaving it alone. Yeah, same I, here. I want yeah. to be, I want it to come to me naturally and I want to find out everything as it comes yeah. and not be like one of those guys who's like, whoa, well this might be a leaked script. It might not be a leaked script, but I'm going to read it anyway. I, I had a friend who yeah. would read the novelizations of any movie, like big movie, comic book or whatever that would come out because novelizations are based on the screenplay. They right. give the screenplay to the hack author, and they type, they pump out a novelization. So he would read those for spoilers. And yeah, but I'm I'm with you on Star Wars. Like I know there will be one or two more trailers. Not watch them. Yeah, oh, I'm with you guys on that. Although I I did really enjoy the teaser, but it it really gave too much away. Already, for me. Yeah, yeah, already, already. Like yeah. they showed Vader's mask. I'm like, oh, now I know he's somehow involved. Yeah, you know? yeah, I know. What the hell. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like the most important franchise of my childhood. Mm. I, I this, is, this is a very important movie for me. Yeah. When it comes out, I, it's, it's going to be hard I to couldn't see. I couldn't believe it. the crossover that they did in Ant-Man. They had Liberace. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wow, I didn't know he was in this universe. But the, the funniest thing about that is Ant-Man versus the great Liberace. But Michael Douglas in uh, Behind the Candelabra, Matt Damon's character is named Scott also as Paul Rudd's character is named Scott. So he kept going like, Scott. And I kept thinking of Liberace. Like, I was like, this is Liberace going like, good morning, Scott. Oh, and that's all I could think about when he said Scott. 
So, um, one more uh, set of movies that I just want to discuss here uh, before we move on uh, um, is the DC films that have led up to the beginning of the DC Extended Universe or DC Cinematic Universe. None of which exists yet. <laughs> well, except except Man of Steel. Yeah, it, it's just only only by happenstance. By happenstance, well, yeah. You know, they're um, like, you know, we're gonna turn this into a universe. Like they didn't have the plan because they they're they're fucking greedy and they you <laughs> know they they rush movies. They Marvel was doing it while they were putting out some of the Batman movies. They should have just gone fuck. We got to do that and we got to do it with Christian Bale. Well, I think they, I agree a hundred and fifty percent. Actually, they were doing it, but I think they what they really wanted was because. The Batman movies that Christopher Nolan directed are so dark and so on their own. They're yeah, going to compartmentalize yeah. that yeah. because they want something that would be appropriate for a child to come and see. And yeah. therefore, I, I don't know, though, make man. it so that action figures could be made and things could be bought. Yeah, I mean, I get... The like, Christopher Nolan Batman movies are super dark. If yeah. anyone brought their kids to that, they're an idiot. I, if you guys have seen, uh, you know, the trailer, though, for Batman vs. Superman... It does look pretty It's pretty grim. damn grim. I mean, you got Batman snapping the necks of those... And then, and then, then there's where I'm like, you know, I really hope they, they don't... Uh, uh, de- uh, deviate from the source material too much because Batman isn't supposed to be killing right, anyone. Right. Yeah. But you got him snapping the neck of those that special ops team with the Superman. Uh, Which, logos. by the way, that's that one shot sold me on this movie because I yeah. I was gonna see it no matter what, but I was bummed out when I heard that they're gonna like bum rush an entire universe. With they're gonna uh, Wonder Woman's gonna be in it, Cyborg's gonna be in it, Cyborg, Aquaman's gonna Aquaman, be in it. Flash, they're, yeah, yeah, they're shoving, well, if they're gonna start everything off. They should have just called it what it is. Yeah, well, they yeah. call it Justice League. Right. Well, well, well. Hold on, hold the hold the uh, hold the stat gate here for one second because <laughs> from what I understand, most of those characters, with the exception of Wonder Woman, yeah. in that movie, apparently have very very small cameos. Good. It's sort of something where like. Uh, Batman is discovering all of these metahumans and he's like watching the Flash on a screen yeah. or like Aquaman's on a screen or something, you know, or there's like one scene. Like it's not something where like, you know, at the end of the movie they're all going to get together and fight together mm-hmm. as the Justice League. But I think it's like yeah. very like subtly introducing the other characters so that they can uh, – you know, have the next installment be Justice League. So yeah, it's kind of like how Robin was introduced in Batman Forever, and then the next one was Batman and Robin. Yeah, yes, but but even <laughs> e- even like less <clears throat> screen time than that. Like yeah, you yeah, know, right. like these these characters like Cyborg, uh, the Flash, and Aquaman. Like they're not they're supposedly, and this is all hearsay because you can't believe anything you, you read on the internet. But from what I've read, and I've read a lot of articles. Uh, they're they're not supposed to really have a lot to do with good. the movie, so, yeah, which is a good thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah you don't want to cram all those characters in there. That sucks. I just want to see because it's never happened. I just want to see Batman and Superman, and you, you know you can have Lex Luthor, you can have a few other characters, but I just want to see Batman and Superman. Yeah, they're cramming the Doomsday in too, and I. I don't know. I mean, like, there's they, a rumor. I mean, I hope it's not true because I think it's a little. It, it's like some ideas can work but you need to you need to very slowly submerge us into it you can't just be like and doomsday 
Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like, no, no, I, I'm an idiot. And, and <laughs> like, you, you got to feed me things very slowly or I'll choke, you know? So <laughs> like, like Batman and Superman, that's enough for me. That's a meal. You know, if you put something else that, in there, that's a very large three course <laughs> meal. I'd say, yeah. um, and, and from what I understand, uh, Zack Snyder consulted with Frank Miller uh, on, upon getting production rolling, and it's supposed to stay ve- very true to The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, That's cool, yeah. And if it does, and it looks like it is, from what I've seen, you know, the footage that they put out, uh, then it should do the source material justice. So, uh, I mean, none of us will know for sure until it comes out, but... Um, well, I was saying that that shot where Batman is in the desert taking those guys out. Yeah, that, yeah. When I saw that, I I went, all right, this movie is being made by someone who wants to try things different visually and experiment. Uh, a lot, a lot of times they, you know, there's this is like a two hundred million dollar plus movie, so you a lot of times you don't even have the opportunity to experiment. Now. Pitch fucking Batman in a desert with a coat. Batman with a coat <laughs> and the and, goggles. And gl- yeah. goggle. Pitch that to someone, and they're gonna be like, "No, nah, that's not Batman. Can't be in the movie." <laughs> like, so you you kind of have to have. I don't know what it is. I have no idea what the context of it is. But to, I don't even either. The fact that it's in there tells me that they're like, "Yeah, I want to try this. I want to see Batman in the desert." I'm like, you know what? I do too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Uh, <laughs> If you follow the Batman mythos... I want to see Batman in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) If you follow the mythos, I mean... uh, I want to see Batman with the cowl without a a shirt. Fighting Ra's al Ghul with a sword. Yeah, Yeah. Batman chest hair all cut up and shit. In the desert... Fighting, having a sword fight with Roz, yeah, yeah. That, that. muscles rippling, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and 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 that's what I was getting at is you know uh, throughout the years and years of Batman mythos, you know it it has it's mainly pertained to Gotham City, but not always. Batman, as as you know from the Dark Knight, he has no jurisdiction. Yeah, he will find you and he will make you squeal. I want to see Batman <laughs> on a horse. Yeah, like from The Dark Knight Returns. Batman on a horse was a scene. I want to see Batman on a train. <laughs> well, he's done that too. Ba- Batman in the original watch, play. Watch Batman Begins and you can see yeah. that. Yeah. In, the, in the original uh, screenplay for the 89 Batman, uh, the Sam Hamm, who's awesome, uh, the screenwriter for that, he, he had a scene where he's riding a horse. But they, <laughs> I don't know if they shot it, but obviously they didn't, they didn't uh, right. put it in the movie. Um, you know, but, I could totally see like a scenario where like, you know, you got the Riddler and he's blacked out Gotham City or something, and you know, yeah, Batman's on horseback and he's yeah. you know, it, it, it's so cool. They owe it to us. I, I, see, I think they do. I want to see Batman on a boat. I want to yeah. see Batman in a moat. Yeah. I want to see Batman <laughs> in a box. I want to see Batman with a fox. <laughs> You're saying that ironically, but I would, I do want to see all that. <laughs> and I, I, I want to see Batman with. Green eggs and Sam Ham. <laughs> Green eggs and Joker talk. Sam Ham, I am. So, um, <laughs> I ju- I just want to mention the Dark Knight trilogy super fast here before we go on break. Uh, obviously, Batman Begins. In my in my opinion, uh, one of the best superhero movies of all time. It was the most 
down, well, not the most down and dirty, but it was just a down and dirty, gritty Batman story. Very tight, tight storytelling, too. Absolutely, absolutely. Very good usage of the Scarecrow, very good usage of Ra's al Ghul. Uh, It followed the origin of Bruce Wayne very well. I can't say enough about it. Uh, I love what they did with Arkham Asylum. It was a key component to that movie with uh, the fear toxin and uh, the electromagnetic, uh, whatchamacallit, that spreads it with the, you know, through through the yeah, air. Um, so, you know, uh, that movie changed a lot, you know, brought Batman back to his dark roots again after, uh, you know, the Schu- Schumacher films and whatnot. And then, you know, obviously following suit, The Dark Knight, I mean... You can't really say too much that hasn't already been said, but one thing I will say uh, is David Goyer uh, drew most of the material for that script from Jeff Loeb's Long Halloween and Dark Victory, Mm -hmm. uh, which are two of the best all-time Batman story arcs you'll ever read. And all that stuff with, you know, Jim Gordon... Uh, Harvey Dent and Batman, uh, on, on the rooftop, uh, you know, scheming and planning about how they're gonna take down the mob and take down Maroney and all this and that, uh, and the, the stuff with the Joker, all of that is just drawn out of those two books marvelously. And, uh, because they stuck to that source material so well, and also because of the way the movie was shot, the way it was casted, the way it was directed and produced, it was my favorite comic book movie of all time. The, uh, also, there's a lot of references to uh, GCPD in that in that movie, in the um, the Dark Knight. The, the Gotham Police Department? Yeah. Is that what it's called, that, that comic? Gotham G- City Police Department. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I believe it's called Gotham Central. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, okay, Gotham Central. Uh, specifically? No. Yeah, Greg, Greg Rucka uh I remember there, there were, like, flat-out scenes in that movie that were in those books. Yeah. I mean, some of the ones that I read, I haven't read all of them. Well, but. there's, like, six installments, but yeah. Oh, that's, um, that's it? Well, then I might have read them all. You might have, yeah. No, um... They drew a lot of uh, the stuff, the interdepartmental uh, corruption and all that from uh, Gotham Central, too. So when you got someone like David Goyer, who actually has a lot of experience writing comic book movies to begin with, uh, and, you know, you paid such close attention to those important books, uh, you have a masterpiece. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Dark Knight Rises, I thought it was good. Wasn't quite as good as the other two. Yeah, uh, I, a lot of people hated that. I'll, I defend that movie all the time. I do too. Cause I, I think it was so ambitious. Like, yeah, yeah, it's flawed, but it's shooting for the stars. And there, there's just so much, so many interesting moments in that. And Bane, visually, and his voice is very iconic. And there's, there's just a lot of, there's great messages in there. I, and I love that. They reestablish the hero's journey. They knock Bruce Wayne the fuck down, and yeah. then they make him climb his way back up. And, and that's the l- thing, literally. Yeah, it, it was a know. good movie. I think people's mm-hmm. major beef with that flick was that of the, the potential that it had of what it could have been. Right, and but people nitpick it, and it bums me out because they're they're like, you know, they say things like, um, "Well, Batman wouldn't stop." And it's like, you're Batman in the comics you've read, maybe not, but in the story that's being told here, 
he ends crime in the city. Like he's not going to go out and stop people from robbing Seven Eleven. He, <laughs> yeah, he can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's for police. He ended organized crime in the city. There's nothing going on, and there's even reference to it. Like Alfred says something. Like you got to. It's all done. You got to start your life up again. Exactly. And, and, but so he's so like, addicted to being Batman. He doesn't know. know anything else. And yeah. I, I like that they the movie basically concluded with it, this is a story about Bruce Wayne. This guy, Batman is an affliction. Really, it's is good for all of us. Not good for that guy. It tears him apart. Like he he if if he still has that in him, it's all he's ever going to be thinking about. He needs to let it go. If if you care about that character, if you want to um, give him a happy ending. It's the only way you can give him a happy ending is to, if you let him stop being Batman. Oh, you took the words it, right out so of my mouth. So it's not just me. Okay. Yeah, no, no. That is an absolute perfect analysis it, of what Nolan was going for. It is a Bruce Wayne story. It yeah. is about the addiction to the cape and cowl. Yeah. It is 100%. And it, it, the underlying theme is addiction and split personalities. Yeah. You know, uh it's the same. It's a similar concept to somebody who's trying to kick heroin. Bruce Wayne yeah. is trying to kick Batman, but he can't. So he sits in the house. You know, uh, if you've read Nightfall too, which is like the first big Bane story, uh, I haven't read it yet. But uh, uh, I've only read like the big moments in there because I remember when when um, it's like, oh, Batman got killed. Did you hear or or injured or whatever? So that was I remember picking those up when I was like a little kid. And I, I also remember, was it Asriel? Is that the? Yeah. Uh, yep. yep. Yeah. I, I remember watching him beat Robin up. And then I also remember buying the Robin spinoff and he's like, fuck you, Asriel. And he got his <laughs> own book for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but there's so many elements apparently from Nightfall that they used in Dark Knight Rises. Oh, partic- yeah. Particularly with, you know, uh, then I will break you. First I will show you where I've made my home. Yeah. Then I will break you. <laughs> and, you know, uh, he breaks Batman's back in Nightfall, except in Nightfall, he breaks Batman's back, sends Bruce Wayne down to the gutter, uh, and, and then he's out of commission for so many some odd years. Uh, whereas they, they instead, they, they had him out of commission from the, the get-go where he's, you know, he's not seasoned and he's not in his prime like he was in the Dark Knight, so he's not ready to go up and confront Bane, and he gets his back broken then, and then has to, you know, but it's still yeah. the same underlying theme, so. There's um, No Man's Land, too, that that was a big influence. Huge, yeah. Which I, I love, that's one of the things I love about Dark Knight Rises, is that they, the bad guy wins. Like, halfway through the movie, bad guy won. Yeah. You know, if this was anybody else's movie, the climax of it would have been him preventing Bane from taking over the city. They give him the city. They they turn it into chaos, like it's borderline post-apocalyptic. Big time, and, yeah. And uh, that, again, you got to have a set of balls or at least an imagination to be like, well, what if? Because every movie, every superhero movie always ends with the bad guy almost doing something that could affect the world, but, but they stop him. Well, what if he did? Then what after? You know, and that's that's. Kind it's of, almost like he's doing damage control from that point on to try yeah. to get things back somewhat to some sort of order. And you know, it's it's like again, great stories are told when you have great conflicts. So beat the shit out of your main character, take away their city, 
kill the people they love, break their back, you know, and and, and then watch can them they go from here. Yeah, watch them overcome that adversity and come yeah. back, and and yeah, it, it, I, I'm right along with you with the Dark Knight Rises. It it, it couldn't have been a better analysis if I said it myself. So, um, with that, gentlemen, uh, any other uh, comic book related movies we want to discuss or? Well, we got a good good history going, <laughs> good history lesson going through yeah. that. Let's uh, take a break and gear up for uh, the second half of the podcast. All right, we'll hit a break and uh, we'll be back. You know what's great? This is the best part about podcasts. Just getting together, we don't know what's going to happen. We're just with our friends. You know, it's after work. You guys should come to Hotcast. Got great subs down the street. Parking wasn't bad at all. Someone already paid for mine. It was an hour and eight minutes in there. Got here. My friends were here. Same time. Now we're just hanging out. Come to Hotspot Podcast. Get yourself a good old-fashioned sub. Hotcast. Hotcast Podcast. Come to Hotcast Podcast and enjoy the show. Come to Hotcast Podcast and enjoy the show. This is it. Like, this This is what we do now. Nothing better than just hanging out with some friends. You know what? Hotspot Podcast. Is that what it is? Hotcast hot, 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 hot Podcast. Check it out on, online. All I know is Hotcast Podcast, one of the best places.